you were a car, what kind of car would you be? I don't know my answer. Maybe you don't either. That's okay. Um, a few years ago, I don't know how many, um, there was a debate or a discussion, or I don't know what you want to call it, centered around the question, WWJD. What would Jesus drive? And what was fascinating about it was if you drove a Ford, you were pretty confident that Jesus would drive a Ford. And if you were a Chevy person, you thought the opposite. And if you drove a diesel truck, you probably lobbied that, hey, he probably drove a diesel truck or would drive. And people said biodiesel and hybrids and electrics and bicycles and skateboards. What was fascinating to me is how quickly people put in their own preferences or opinions or things that they wanted to be true. Um, so I don't know um, the answer, but my guess at the time was I thought, well, Jesus wouldn't own a car. He would have to drive sometimes because people would always be saying, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. So he'd help some people out. Probably Peter would have like an Escalade or something big, and they'd all pile in sometimes. But then they'd start to argue and say who was the best driver and what was the better car. And so Jesus is probably like, all right, we're walking, guys. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what kind of car I'd be. I don't know what car Jesus would drive if he drove a car. But I do know, growing up in Dallas, Oregon, there's a lot of different cars in my neighborhood. Um, one of our neighbors had a log truck. One of my neighbors had a small uh, sports car with two seats. There's all kinds of cars. And there was a story I remember one of the neighbors really liked their car, and then it was no longer there. And the story, which they were reluctant to tell us, was that it ran out of oil and the engine seized up. And I think I remember that was the first time that I learned that you needed to put oil in a car. I knew that you, we stopped at the gas station, so you put gas in there. Um, but they, they said, well, we didn't know you had to check the oil or change the oil or add oil. Um, it's hard to tell by looking at a car or a person what's going on inside, um, what the condition of their heart or how much oil is needed. Um, my name's Jonathan, and this uh, morning we're starting a new series called Rhythms. Uh, we're going to talk about savoring scripture this morning. Um, would you pray with me? Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to understand this morning. In Jesus' name. Jesus liked to tell stories. Um, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he tells over 50 different parables. And you know some of these, the Good Samaritan, the Lost Sheep, um, the Mustard Seed, the Parable of the Talents, the Prodigal Son. Um, and there's one story I'd like to start with today, and it's the parable of the sower, or the farmer, or the soils. And Jesus says, hey, there's a farmer, and he has the seed, and he starts throwing it out. And he describes four different places that he throws it. He says some of the seed he throws on a path, on a trail. And some of the seed he throws on a rocky place. And some of the seed he throws among thorns, among brambles. And some of the seed he throws on good soil. And the seed thrown on good soil sprouts up. Right? And Jesus explains it, and there's birds, and there's thorns, and all this stuff. And later his disciples come up to him, and they're like, hey, so... Jesus, you know, about that, the parables and the story, what are you talking about, you know? And Jesus probably sighs and says, okay. And he quotes Isaiah and says, some aren't going to get this, but you are called to hear, right? And some people won't. And he breaks it down, the parable of the sower. 
He says, the seed is the word of God. And the seed that throws on the path is like somebody that hears it, but it quickly gets snatched away. Somebody steals it, and nothing grows. And the seed that's thrown on the rocky soil is like somebody that hears it, and it sprouts up really quick, and you're super excited. But the sun comes out, right? And there's no root, and it withers and dies, and nothing grows. And the seed that falls on the thorns, the brambles, gets strangled. He says the deceitfulness of wealth and the cares of the world, just strangle it out, and nothing grows. He says, but the seed that grows on the good dirt and the good soil sprouts and grows. And he says, he who has ears, let him hear. So I have four points this morning. And number one, probably the most important, I guess, is be good dirt. Be good dirt. Because if we're not, it doesn't matter what I say, what anybody says, right? It won't grow. Nothing will grow. Um, Another way to say this is be prepared or be open. Have open ears and eyes and heart. And that's why we prayed that to begin. Um, Be good dirt. There's a quote I'd like to share from Tim Mackey of the Bible Project. And he says, Being a follower of Jesus and a student of the scriptures is actually about having the habit of open-mindedness. To hear the scriptures say things I've never even thought to think before and to learn new things from the world around me. There's a temptation to bring our own stuff to the Bible, our own preferences. How quickly, when somebody said, what would Jesus drive, did people throw in the things that they wanted to be true, or their own preferences or opinions? But be good dirt. Be open. Number two, know what and why. Which are great questions, right? What? Why? Um, What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Today we're going to talk about the Bible. The what. Um, there's an author who wrote a book called The Pleasures of Reading in the Age of Distraction, a guy named Alan Jacobs. And he said this about reading. All books want our attention, but not all of them want the same kind of attention. And good readers know this and make necessary adjustments. And the kind of reading that we're going to talk about today and the kind of book that we're going to talk about today is different than other reading and other books. Um, So we should know what we are reading. And this book, the Bible, is 66 books. It's more of a library than a book, right? There's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament. It was written by dozens of authors over 1,500 years in many places, in over three languages, or three languages. Um, um, And somehow, it's a story that's unified and about and by Jesus. There's somewhere between five and 500 different genres in this book. History and prophecy, poetry and narratives, lists, letters, parables and proverbs. Know what you are reading. Um, And there's a warning, of course. Um, You've seen it. The Bible is often misused and abused and taken to support things that we want to be true and things that the original authors didn't intend. Um, So context matters, and that's important. Songs aren't meant to be science texts. So know what you're reading, but also why. And that's what we're going to dive in today. Why read? Um, School starts tomorrow. I'm a high school English teacher. Um, And the question I'm going to hear a lot, and you've heard this question. Maybe you've asked it. Why do we have to read? Right, why do we have to read? Why? And there are a lot of great reasons to read. Um, And we're going to focus our conversation today, though, on reading Scripture, on reading the Bible. Um, This is what Paul writes in 2 Timothy 
All scripture is breathed by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Why read? To be equipped, trained, corrected, complete. We read to remember where we've been. James writes, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The Bible is full of stories of those who draw near to God and those who don't. It's full of stories who draw near to God and run away. Um, It's full of stories like the prodigal son, people that come back. Or the story of the lost sheep, where the sheep can still hear the shepherd's voice that's chasing after them. It's full of people that react in all the ways you could react to the voice of God. Why read? To know you're not alone, and never have been, and never will be. The Psalms are 150 songs, poems, prayers in the Bible. And they oscillate between two things, lament and celebration. Lament, God, where are you? Why is this happening? Why are things on fire? Where, why? Why, why? Jesus, Jesus, on the cross, quotes Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, on the cross, lament. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. And that's okay. Jesus, on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Pray the Psalms. And you'll notice that the Psalms are also celebrations of God, this is what you've done for us. We've seen it. This is what you've promised and where you've come through. And this is what we're hoping for the future. Laments and celebrations. Why read? We read to meet Jesus. If you're asking where to start, start with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And meet Jesus. Um, There's a story in John chapter 6. And Jesus is teaching. He's telling stories. He's telling the truth and all that. And He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And you have to eat my body and drink my blood. And people are kind of getting weird. Like, what? He's saying some hard things. And some people don't like it. And they're confused. And the eat the body and drink the blood is the symbolic uh, communion, right? Which we'll take later in service, right? Um, And in verse 66, check this out. After After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They're like, I'm out. That's too much. I don't, nah. Now listen to what Jesus asked his 12, his 12 closest followers, friends. Do you want to go as well? He said, are you going to leave too? Now listen to Peter, the guy that might have had the escalate. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus says, are you going to go too? And Peter said, where would we go? We know that you are it. Why read? We read to meet Jesus, who has the words that bring eternal life. Number three, dog with a bone. Dog with a bone. The title of this message is Savoring Scripture. And the opposite of savor is probably the word binge, right? We binge eat or binge drink or binge watch. You can even binge read, race right through it. Um, But the Bible wasn't designed to binge, to skim, to scan, to race through. It was written to eat, to chew. Um, 
Picture a dog with a bone. Eugene Peterson shares in this book, Eat This Book, a conversation on the art of spiritual reading, an image of a dog with a bone. Have you ever seen a dog with a bone? And they just chew on it and gnaw on it and won't let it go. He suggests this is the kind of reading we can do with Scripture. He's not the only one. Peterson writes, What I mean to insist upon is that spiritual writing, spirit-sourced writing, requires spiritual reading, a reading that honors words as holy, words as a basic means of forming an intricate web of relationships between God and the human, between all things visible and invisible. He talks of a different kind of reading, a spiritual reading. He outlines this reading, named by our ancestors, he writes, as Lectio Divina, often translated as spiritual reading. Reading that enters our souls, check this out, enters our souls as food, enters our stomachs, spread through our blood, and becomes holiness and love and wisdom. Seems like the kind of stuff we should read. See if you can make an email do that. Um, There are four steps in this spiritual reading, or Lectio Divina. And they're not always linear, right? You go and do them. And, and one is to read the text. And one is to meditate on the text. And one is to pray the text and live the text. Right? We're not only meant to be hearers of the word, but doers, too. What James writes. So, question. Here's a question for you. Is Christianity a system of belief or a way of life? And it's both, right? James writes, be doers of the word and not hearers only. But can you think of times when maybe you've uh, seen or been maybe in one camp or another, right? It doesn't matter if you believe you should check your oil or add gas to the car. If you don't do it, right, what's going to happen to the car, right? A system of belief and a way of life. It's both. It's both. Um, Earlier this year, we did a series on the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and in Deuteronomy, there's a passage called the Shema. And Shema is, the, is a Hebrew word for hear or listen. It's a very famous passage, and it goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. But listen to the verses that come next, to this dog with a bone kind of attention. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Dog with a bone all the time, everywhere. What is the last chapter or verse or psalm or story that you treated like a dog with a bone, that you savored, that you chewed on. Share one of those with somebody this week. Um, Another way to think of it is like getting a song stuck in your head. Have you ever got a song stuck in your head? And sometimes there's a line that you need that you end up repeating, right? The Ellingson family this summer got uh, the song Million Little Miracles by Maverick City Music stuck in our head. And it was a reminder, I think, of what we needed to know, and it fed something in us. Miracles on miracles, forgive me. A million little miracles, count your miracles. One, two, three, four, I can't even count them all. There are so many things to savor in Scripture, to chew on, 
Think of the word of God as songs that will get, want to get stuck in your head, bones to chew. Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. How often has the world seemed confusing? Has all this stuff raged around you? And we stop to think, be still and know that I am God. Creator of the universe. Proverbs 18.2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Philippians 4.2, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans 8, like we just sang up here, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. James 1-2, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of all kinds, because, because what? These are things to chew on. John 3-30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Matthew 6-33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We could go on. What have you been chewing on? All summer I've been thinking of a passage and story in Joshua, Joshua chapter 5. Now Moses didn't get to see the promised land. He got to see it. He got to go up on a mountain, look down. He didn't get to go in there, and that was for Joshua to do. And Joshua was gaining momentum. He's getting ready to go into the promised land. And at one point, Joshua 5, it says he sees a man or a guy, somebody with a sword. He comes up to him and he says, are you for us or against us? Red or blue, right or left? And check it out, Joshua 5, 14. He said, guy with the sword, No. Joshua said, red or blue, right or left, are you for us or against us? And he said, no, I am commander of the army of the Lord. And Joshua sees what he got himself into, and he falls on his face and says, what should I do? He says, take off your shoes, you are on holy ground. Joshua said, for us or against us? And the commander of the army of the Lord said, no, that's not how this works. It's not about us. Dog with a bone, song in your head, eat this book. I guess I should get ready for uh, English class, but have you heard the, the idiom, throw me a bone? You've heard the idiom, throw me a bone. And an idiom is a phrase not meant literally. And the th fascinating thing about that is the bone in the throw me a bone is something that's worthless. It's just give me a scrap of something. Throw me a bone to help me a little bit. Just give me something. Um, and, but, but, the words of scripture, though often treated that way, are not useless, worthless bones. Check out what Hebrews 4.12 says about this book. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Hebrews 4.12, living and active. Scripture is not worthless bones. It can cut through bones. 
There's not something made to scroll, scroll through or skim. Dog with a bone, song in your head, eat this book. There are two words I'm going to share with you. And if I could see your faces, I'm sure I would see a few of you yawn or turn away and be like, I've heard this before. And you're going to think about candy, probably. But I'm going to give you two words. I want you to chew on them this week. So simple words. And everybody here has heard these words before. You ready? Christmas. Easter. Christmas. God became flesh. The Father sent his Son to earth to become man. Read the Gospels. Meet Jesus. Easter, that man, that son, Jesus, died on a Roman cross. And three days later, rose again. And we gather in a room like this, or in our living rooms, or wherever we're watching, wherever we're reading, because those things are true. Christmas, Easter. Read this book. Meet Jesus. Okay, can we do some review? Number one this morning was be good dirt. Because it doesn't matter if we're not good dirt. We could say, somebody could tell you all the true things, right? All the things to do. But if we're not good dirt, if we're not open and receptive to do that, it's not going to matter. It's not going to grow. We have to hear it and obey it. We have to be the soil that seeds can grow in. Number one is be good dirt. Number two is what and why. Know what this is. Know why we read it. The Bible, those 66 books, it's God-breathed. It's living and active. It's spirit-sourced. It's the words of eternal life. Number three, dog with a bone. Not skim, not scan, not pretend. Savor. Dog with a bone. Song in your head. Eat this book. Lucky number four, are we ready, is find your rhythm. I don't know what kind of vehicle you are or are called to be. Not exactly. Maybe we're log trucks or sports cars or bicycles or whatever else. But, and they all have their roles, right? But I do know that vehicles and humans have similar maintenance requirements. And I don't know what fruit will grow out of your life or what seeds God will plant. But I do know that there is good soil and there is soil that is less than good. And there are disciplines in the Christian life, which we're going to explore in this series called Spiritual Rhythms, that help us be who we're made to be. Reading the Bible is like brain maintenance, soul maintenance. It's a way to meet Jesus. Um, And our prayer this morning is that we would find our rhythm in reading and other things, right? Um, I read an essay last week, um, and a writer talked about rereading poems. And he found his rhythm in reading. And this is what he did. Listen to some of the things that he learned. So, Eliot Hold writes, I read poetry every day. On the first day of every month, I pick a poem, and then I read that poem every day that month. And he continues, Repetition led to revelation. Every day, I noticed, a new, things in the, I noticed new things in the text. By the end of the month, I knew the poem by heart. Have you ever said yourself, right, or heard somebody say, oh, I've, I've, I've read the Bible. I've seen that movie. I already heard that song. Yeah. I did a push-up. It was great. So I don't need to, to do it again, right? Um, he goes on. Revisiting the same poem every day is the antithesis of the attention economy. 
Instead of scrolling along the surface, I'm diving beneath it. Dog with a bone, song on repeat. He found a rhythm in his reading. I saw a quote the other day attributed to Richard Foster. If you are too busy to read, you are too busy. Here's another quote from Richard Foster, and he wrote one of the best modern books on the spiritual disciplines called Celebration of Discipline. Now, these are the first three sentences of this book. Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. We get out of sync, though, right? Rhythm is hard to maintain or establish. We have lots of words for this. Off, <laughs> off-kilter, off-key, out, out of sync, out of tune, out to lunch. Often we need others to help us, and that's okay. And maybe that's you this morning. Uh, maybe it's been a while since you've uh, spent time in the Bible, or maybe you haven't, or maybe you haven't. James writes, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. We can do this through reading his word. Let our prayer be this morning that we could establish these healthy rhythms in our life to be who we're called to be. And please, come back next, next week and hear about more spiritual rhythms. We began today talking about dirt and Jesus' parable of the sower and the soils. I'd like to share another story that Jesus shared. And that was found in Matthew 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. It's called The Wise and Foolish Builders. And Jesus is talking and sharing, and he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Why read? Because we want to be wise builders, who want to build our lives on the correct foundation, not sand. Now, it's stormy days, eh? In literal ways and figurative ways. If we look around, there are all kinds of storms. What is your foundation built on? You have seen those who have built on faulty foundations, both literal, I'm sure, and figurative. And you have seen people fall like you've seen people on the milk crate challenge. <laughs> um, but can we end with this? This is a story in Matthew 4. And Jesus is in the desert being tempted by the devil. It seems like a rough situation. And what does Jesus do? He quotes scripture. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And where are those words? They're in this book. Let us find our rhythms. Let us read it and hear it and obey it. Will you pray with me this morning? Lord, help us be good dirt. Help your word grow in us. Let us be like a dog with a bone, chewing on the truth. Amen.